0: Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, wherever you are on this rotating globe as we spin around the sun at something like 18 and a half miles per second. If you sit real still, you won't feel anything. Well, we have a very extraordinary show this morning. We're going to get into a whole bunch of very deep stuff, including probably the deep state. But before we do that, I want to, you know, call your attention to some news items at the top. Uh, you're going to want to go to the other side of midnight.com. If you're listening on a device that doesn't have our website already up and running, go to the other side of midnight.com that will take you to tonight's uh, show page. The banner there for um, Chris Knowles symbolism with uh, JLo. There, pro I mean, this is probably the first and the last time I'll ever put up a banner with JLo on it, but it, I, I just couldn't resist. Anyway, um, we're talking tonight about symbolism. And when when we talk about symbolism, it's a lot more than just the Super Bowl. Boy, are you going to have your ears brushed back when you listen to what's going to happen tonight. Anyway, before we get into that, some some items here. We're obviously tracking the coronavirus, which now has a formal WHO name. Every time I say that, I think of, you know, the British television show. Who, the World Health Organization, has given it the name uh, COVID 19? I almost expected COVID 19.5, but they, they didn't quite get there. Anyway, there's a couple items. If you go to the uh, homepage, click on tonight's banner with JLo there, that will take you to the guest page. Scroll down a little bit, or you can click on the fast link items at the top for Richard. Click on that, and that will take you right to my items and radio. With pictures, number one, Japan woman. I mean, don't these Yahoo writers know how to write? Japanese woman with coronavirus dies as cruise ship cases soar. Um, there is a, a, a princess cruise ship, the Diamond Princess, anchored in Yokohama Harbor. It's been there for you know almost two weeks now. It has something like 3,700 people on board. Fewer now because they've taken off something like 285, almost 300 uh, due to coming down with the virus. And apparently the American embassy this morning informed another 300 plus or minus that they're going to be flying them back to the United States. But if they do decide to come back on an official aircraft flight, they're going to be stuck in quarantine for another two weeks, I think, at uh, Travis Air Force Base. So there are a lot of Americans on board who are basically saying, you know, stiff that we're going to stay on the ship because we only got another five days and then we're free. The problem is there are um, epidemiologists and and other medical folks who basically say that this is like a floating, uh, you know, what would the term be, Petri dish, where you have a, a sealed vessel, more or less, with thousands of people on board. And even though they're all in their cabins, they're all breathing the same air because it's being recirculated through the ship. And they allowed them out, you know, last week, they finally allowed them out on deck if they wear masks and they don't go to certain uh, prescribed areas so they actually can get fresh air and they can, you know, see sunlight and all this. So for the people in the interior cabins, it's basically like being in jail. They deliver their meals to their rooms. The crew, it turns out, are not in quarantine. Turns out the crew are all mingling, you know, with dinners and breakfasts and, you know, work areas and all that. So this virus is circulating through the ship even despite the core. Quar- I mean, you'd think people who have some kind of expertise in this would figure out a system that would actually work. Um, but again, they're kind of making it up as they go along because these are, as we've said countless times before, it used to be that you only heard about these kinds of incidents and cases and events and all that in the middle of the night when you were listening to art or George or me. Now, of course, it's 24 seven, you know, we are bombarded by news and events and things that everyone anchoring says solemnly into the camera, well, this is unprecedented or this has never happened before, or we're in uncharted waters. And of course, in this case, With these cruise ships, uh, we are literally in uncharted waters. It kind of reminded me, particularly the second story, if you scroll down to item number two, cruise ship shut out of five ports over coronavirus finally docks in Cambodia. This is another major cruise ship with several thousand people on board. I think it's Royal Caribbean. And they sailed around to five different countries before they found a country that would take them. I mean, this is like, something out of the twilight zone or and this was the analogy that came to mind remember this the story the mythology of the flying dutchman the ship that sails forever and can never find a port because it's condemned to sail forever and then there was a report that apparently passengers on board this ship uh whose name escapes me said they had the best cruise (laughs) of their life So, I mean, I remember that Robin really hated ships. I tried to get her on a ship many years ago, and, you know, it was just one anchored in in the harbor there at Miami. And she said, I don't really like ships because once you're on board, you can never get off. And these people apparently um, enjoyed their cruise to nowhere. Can you imagine? I mean, in, in a far more serious vein, it reminded me of that ship that came from Israel back uh, many decades ago uh, that was turned away or was it from Germany? maybe it was from Germany and it was turned away and they went back and of course the the victims, the the Jewish passengers were taken in trains and sent to the camps and you know that was all they wrote. So the idea of a cruise ship sailing around like the flying Dutchman unable I mean we are living in totally extraordinary, other side of midnight times scrolling down item number three now remember i said something about this maybe a year ago item number three trump will propose big boost for nasa in the current budget that he's just submitted to congress to return astronauts to the moon by 2024 um this is a very important test Because remember, what we're seeing, and Chris and I are going to discuss this at length tonight, um, with impeachment and this back and forth between Nancy, you know, tearing up the State of the Union and all this high drama, reality show, over the top, bizarre things that would never have happened in the real world even five years ago, ten years ago. I mean, they're happening every single day. You, You turn on the news to see the latest indignity, the latest over-the-top, extraordinary event that has never happened before, like, uh, you know, Brian Williams would say. It's happening, you know, not just every day. It's happening almost every hour of every day. This is going to be an interesting test because if if the, you know, cut attempt between Republicans and Democrats is really mostly for show, if it's just a big Shakespearean, all the world's a stage And we're all supposed to be distracted, which is my model that this is all to distract us from something really important that's coming. Something so overwhelming that they do not know how to tell us until we're in the middle of it. We're going to get no advance warning. That's why shows like this are important. That's why you're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. That's why you're joining Club 19.5, because we're trying to cut through the noise the distraction, the mockingbird on the lawn metaphor that I've used several times. And in case you've never been a bird watcher or an ornithologist or someone kind of that looks at the wildlife around you, when a cat threatens the mockingbird's nest, it will feign the most horrible injuries, fluttering around on the lawn, broken wing, mewling cries. So that the cat follows the mockingbird or the catbird and doesn't go near the nest. That's what's going on. We are being 24-7, consciously, deliberately distracted. And when we get a little closer, I'm going to actually quote to you Noel's Law. Because I think Knowles' Law applies not just to symbology and magic and myth and all that stuff. I think it applies to everything going on now. When you see a big, big, big deal being made out of a particular story, look for what they're not telling you. Look for the distraction. Look in another direction for what they don't want you to pay attention to. Anyway, item number three Trump is proposing in this NASA budget a 12% increase, something like $3 billion. And remember Dirksen's comment, you know, a billion here, a billion there, and pretty soon it adds up to real money. I mean, you can't imagine how much money a billion dollars is. It's a thousand million. And a million is a thousand thousand. And a trillion is a thousand billion. I mean, we're talking numbers that literally are incomprehensible, which, of course, is one of the reasons why they keep being thrown around, because if you can't comprehend it, You don't get why it's important. Well, this number, this $3 billion is to go for developing a new lunar lander, you know, uh, the 21st century generation to follow the lunar module of the Apollo program. And maybe they're going to buy it from Jeff Bezos. Remember, Bezos came out, you know, a few weeks ago with a shiny kind of cardboard model showing what his commercial lunar lander would look like. Regardless what they're doing, what Trump is doing, is putting pedal to the metal so they can be in in time to make this second landing, Project Artemis, more symbology. Artemis, who is Artemis? Artemis was the sister of Apollo. And Project Artemis is going to take the first American woman astronaut to the moon. We're going to talk a lot tonight about goddess symbology and Mythology and symbolism and all that. Well, right up front, Trump is basically touting. Remember, this misogynist, this guy who takes advantage of women, et cetera, et cetera. He's touting the idea of more money to land an American woman first on the moon in the 21st century, Project Artemis. Now, this is the test. Remember, there's this real thing going on between the president and the Speaker of the House, Who just happens to be a woman, Nancy Pelosi? By the way, if the Democrats want to get somebody to really run against Trump, why don't they pick Nancy Pelosi? I mean, that would be a real reality television show. Just a thought. Anyway, so the contretemps is between Trump and Pelosi. Trump and Pelosi, right? There she is, State of the Union, on camera, tearing up his uh, State of the Union speech big high drama visual television drama more distraction more leading us away from what's really going on so this will be a test in a real world Nancy would look at this money for NASA and say why in the world am I going to fund a um you know ego bound program like Artemis to send astronauts back to the moon during Trump's second term giving him a big, as they say in Washington, win. So in the real world, that will not happen. She will cut down. She will slash that from the budget, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. In the world I think is really going on, which is going to get us to item number four in a moment, that money is going to be approved. Why? Because think carefully. Ask yourself carefully. Why does Trump, want to put the pedal to the metal and go back to the moon before the end of his second term, ego notwithstanding because remember boys and girls, we sent to the white house, a three hour presidential briefing video showing him and everybody else who's now looked at it leaders all around the world for those that aren't kind of tuned in what's waiting on the moon. For all of us to find, which of course segues directly to item number four, a new space race, U.S., China, Russian, Europe, all plans for moon bases. Why are all the leading nations or consortiums on planet Earth suddenly wanting to set up bases on the moon? I mean, don't they have better things to do? There's nothing there but rocks and craters and radiation, right? And that's what they said after Apollo. Oh, they just went for moon rocks. Boring, boring. Really? No. There are the remains, the extraordinary remains of an ancient, in fact, several extraordinarily high-tech ancient civilizations that used to once occupy the moon. The moon back during the 40s, remember the Army's secret project, Horizon? That wanted to set up an army base on the moon, you know, stashed with missiles to be used in the event of a, a Russian attack against the United States. There would be certain and deadly uh, counterforce, a you know counterstrike coming from the moon, in ways that nobody could, you know, counteract. Certainly not the Russians in those primitive days. Well, this was a real funded army project until they realized. With the rockets and the logistics of the 1940s and 50s, uh, it was you know pretty much out of the question. So why is everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean all the major nations going back now planning for lunar bases? Simple. It's once in our presidential briefing video, which, by the way, is on the page. And if you click on that, you can get yourself a copy. Wouldn't you like to know what Donald Trump knows tonight, why he's asking the Speaker of the House, to basically cast politics aside and approve a 12% increase for NASA. Remember, in the same budget, he's cutting all kinds of other things. He's cutting food stamps. He's cutting Social Security. He's cutting Medicare. He's cutting um, even parts of the National Science Foundation. But NASA gets a 12% increase. Don't you want to know why? Just get that video. And it will tell you, and more important, it will show you precisely why. Scrolling down, <clears throat> item number five. Speaking of space, the biggest problem now for the U, new U.S. Space Force, because we now have you know, another military service, which is temporarily attached to the Air Force, but it's going to split off in the next year or so and become its own branch of the DoD. They are now calling – I mean, this is really for real. Click on that link. What do you call the troops of the U.S. Space Force? They're actually putting out to the public a call for names, suggestions for what to call the members of the U.S. Space Force. You know, we, um, you know, we call Marines Marines. We call Army guys grunts if we're, you know, kind of being flipped. You know, we call Navy sailors swabbies. Um, they want a more formal name for the U.S. Space Force membership. You know, those troopers, those uh, enlistees who will be serving in the elite U.S. Space Force. And they've only dismissed two names out of hand that they don't want to hear. They don't want you to suggest space cadet. Gosh, I can't imagine Why? And they don't want you to um, – um, let's say What's the other name that they don't want? Oh, yeah, spacemen are not under consideration. Why not? I mean, I, I think that would be kind of cool. Spacemen? Well, of course, if you have women, which you are going to have, that would be very uh, chauvinistic. So why not call them spacers? All right? Anyway, that's up for grabs. Go and uh, – suggest a name and we're going to find out I think in a few weeks. They are already renaming certain Air Force bases uh, uh, that come under the Space Force uh, mandate, under the um, leadership, under the bureaucracy of funding and command and control and all that. The first of which is Patrick Air Force Base, which is just south of Cape Canaveral. They're going to give it a new name, but they're not telling us within this month yet what they're going to call it. So you might want to pay attention to that. Okay. Item number six, next Tuesday morning before dawn on the 18th of February with your own Mark one eyeballs or a Mark one eyeball behind a Mark two set of field glasses or a decent telescope. You can watch something really interesting in the sky with your own eyes. The moon is going to occult Mars In the pre-dawn skies so you're going to want to go out before dawn like four or five o'clock in the morning if you're on the East Coast the occultation will occur after sunrise but you'll still be able to see it with uh, some kind of you know binocular or telescopic uh, equipment if you're in the western part of the country from the St. Louis the Mississippi River on to California you'll be able to see uh, both If you're on the West Coast, you're not going to see the immersion, as they call it, meaning when the Moon covers um, Mars, because the Moon and Mars will not have risen yet. But you will see the immersion when uh, the Moon slides over Mars and Mars reemerges on the nighttime side of the Moon, there in the sky, low in the southeast. So the whole country will get various phases of this. And you might want to um, you might want to you know take a look and then call into the show uh, next Saturday next Sunday and tell us what you saw. Then we've got two other items that I think I'm gonna hold for when Chris is on because they're kind of relevant to our discussion tonight about symbology and diversion and things that go bump in the night that we're not supposed to know about. So without further ado, let me introduce our prime guest this evening, Christopher. Loring Knowles is the author of the Eagle Award-winning Our Gods Were Spandex, The Secret History of Comic Book Heroes. He's co-author of The Complete X-Files, Behind the Series, The Myths, and The Movies, as well as The Secret History of Rock and Roll, The Mysterious Roots of Modern Music. Chris was an associate editor and columnist for the five-time Eisner Award-winning Comic Book Artist magazine, as well as a writer and reviewer of the UK magazine Classical Rock. He's appeared on ABC's twenty twenty, well that went away a long time ago, VH One's Metal Evolution, and several, several radio shows including Man Cow in the Morning, National Public Radio, The Voice of America, and of course he's our resident symbologist here, or is a symbolist or symbologist, I have to ask, on the other side of Midnight. He's also appeared in several documentaries, such as Wonder Woman, Daughter of Myth and the Man, The Myth Superman, and was invited to lecture on science fiction, mysticism, and mythology at the legendary Esalen Institute at Big Sur, California, back in 2008 and in 2009. And he blogs regularly, and you've got you to gotta catch this. Click on that link, save that link. You're going to want to follow this blog called The Secret Sun. So without further ado, welcome back to the other side, Chris.
1: Uh, It's great to be here, Richard.
0: Just get a little closer to that mic. There's a bit of an echo.
1: Okay. Uh, How's that?
0: Uh, Much better, much better. Okay. Um, Let me me do this. Um, State Chris Knowles' first law, because I think, as I said a moment ago, that it applies to far more than myth and symbolism.
1: Well, it's uh, Knowles' first law, by the way. (laughs) Um, Basically, what it means is that um, anytime there's a controversy in the media over symbolism, it's usually disguising uh, a hidden and usually opposite symbolic message altogether.
0: Sounds like a good prescription for everything that we're seeing that's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially these days.
0: So where should we dive in? Um, it seems to me that we've got so much going on. Uh, should we start with the light stuff or should we you know hit him with something really you know that me- that means something your choice
1: it It's my choice um well you you talked about Trump and the impeachment um ritual and so on uh, <clears throat> I, i'm I'm a bit skeptical about what the actual motivations for that were. Uh, I believe that the the actual target of that whole investigation was actually J- Joe Biden. <laughs> I think that the real purpose of that was to um, knock Biden out of the running, and it worked really well. Oh, it's worked brilliantly.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely yeah.
1: brilliantly. Yes, because he was the he was the front runner by a long shot up until this whole thing kicked up, and then he just collapsed. I think the problem with Joe Biden is that, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't really diagnose him. But he really comes across as being a man with uh, senile dementia um, or uh, Alzheimer's, some sort of, you know, he's just he's not right in the head. He's he's uh, getting up on stages and saying very bizarre things and uh, doesn't seem to be fully in control of his faculties. Well, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. In defense of Biden. He's always said bizarre things. Remember, in Washington, the rule of thumb is a gaffe is when you tell the truth. And Joe, going back to when he first came to the Senate, just kept blurting out the truth. And then they tried to apologize. And as they say these days, walk it back and all that. The thing that bothers me about Biden is that I think he's just getting older. He's not the sharp guy the You know, the, the acid tongue guy, the the one that was, you know, penetrating in certain areas, particularly foreign relations, that he used to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's just not someone who should be leading the world in the most perilous time we've ever faced with all kinds of terrestrial and extraterrestrial challenges, that, many of which are certainly not known to people down here on the ground. He's not the guy to be in that Oval Office at this time. And it's been obvious. I don't think it's, you know, dementia. I don't think it's Alzheimer's. I think it's just that he's, he's no longer that sharp, cutting blade that you need.
1: Well, I would recommend you go on YouTube and, and look up some of his um, <laughs> interesting episodes. Uh, you know, just recently he called a, a girl a, a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Oh, I saw that. That uh, was
0: broadcast all over. But he's been doing that for years.
1: Yeah, and then he was um, he was talking about like I mean that was a joke. He had blonde that hair way, on his legs you know, when he was lifeguard, and everybody used to come up and touch the blonde hair on his. I mean, it was just the most bizarre and random uh, ad lib, you know. Uh, it was really well, kind they,
0: of they used to call that being unplugged or being authentic? Remember, we're living in the Trump era. Now,
1: now, listen, I'm, go- I'm just going to nail you down on this. I mean, <laughs> something wrong with him. He's not, he's not in control of his faculties. I, I think the Democrats kind of knew that, but they also knew that he had this big machine behind him and he had the momentum from being uh, Obama's vice president. So I, I just think that he, um, he, he needed to be taken out. So what they did is that they pretended to shoot at Trump but the real target was Biden's candidacy, and, and it did a, a, a wonderful job at taking him down. Um, you know, he I think he did like fourth or fifth place in Iowa and uh, pulled out of New Hampshire before he could even um, face the humiliation. He's, he's banking on Super Tuesday in South Carolina and so on, but I, I just – I don't think he's a factor. Wait, 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 wait.
0: You're assuming that the only controls over these candidates are what we see up front. Yeah, I'm not not assuming that at all. If the the party really wanted Joe for the good of the party and the nation to bow out, couldn't he come up with a better excuse and leave non-humiliated than finishing fifth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire, et cetera, et cetera?
1: I don't know. I can't speak to that. I mean, you're asking me for information that I don't really have access to, but I I think what is clear is that this entire charade, and it was a charade, um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, they sort of kicked off this whole thing on, on Halloween, (laughs) you know, Uh, and uh, they had that uh, concurrent seems to be like a ritual humiliation of that Congresswoman, uh, Katie Hill, who sort of was playing the role of the Scarlet Woman, Uh, You know, it was all very highly ritualistic. I'll tell you what, hold it
0: there. We'll pick this up on the other side. My guest this morning is Chris Knowles. We're going to be kind of deconstructing and shining X-ray beams through a lot of the events going on on television in real time in the real world because it's all at this level. A magical mystery tour? You're on the other side of Midnight – My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. I want to uh, talk a bit about hope for some people tonight that we need to keep in our thoughts and prayers and hope for a better world that we can actually help them achieve. I'm talking, of course, about the people in the Bahamas. Um, if you go to TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com, uh, that's our homepage, and click on that banner, which says at the top, Save Lives, Pure Water for the Bahamas. We have been introduced to a technology. It's a filtering technology in uh, in a certain kind of non-allergenic plastic form, Um, you buy one of these bottles with a filter. It will replace something like 500 ordinary bottles of of, uh, mineral water, whatever, the kind that they've been shipping to these disaster sites, you know, on pallets and letting sit outside in the sun. And obviously they're not in non-allergenic plastic. So the water is ruined and thousands of tons of water that was supposed to reach the victims of Hurricane Marie sat there and, and rotted in the sun. The same thing's been happening in the Bahamas. If tonight you want to do something to inject meaningful change into a whole group of people's lives, 60 to 100,000 people on those two northern Bahama islands tonight, just go to that site, click on that banner, and then scroll down below the Yes, I Want a Help button. And there's a video that was shot right after the... Um, Uh, Dorian disaster. I saw a video a couple days ago. Nothing has changed. It is like living in an apocalypse. It is like living in, you know, the land of the Lord of the Flies. It's living in conditions that you tonight, listening to my voice, cannot imagine you sustaining 24 hours, 36 hours, two months, five months, you know, a year, five years. It's, it's impossible. They've, they've been trying to bring water in from desalinization. I think the U.S. Navy has brought a couple of ships and anchored them you know, in the northern ports there, and they desalinized seawater to provide water for the inhabitants on the islands, but it's costing $7 per gallon to produce one gallon of fresh water from the surrounding seawater. This technology, which we are privy to, which you can buy by clicking on that button, as many of these bottles of water, life saving water, and send to the Bahamas as you can afford tonight. And yes, it's tax deductible because it's a nonprofit association that we're in league with, which is doing this. There is no quicker, more effective way in this season to transform someone's life than to give them the gift of life, which is pure. pure water and the bottle and the system is recyclable and all you do is change the filter after the equivalent of about 500 ordinary plastic water bottles and the bottles that they're in the actual water bottles that you're sending, they will last essentially forever and they will reach how many people a thousand, five thousand ten thousand so do whatever you can Open your heart and make a difference in someone's life tonight. Welcome back, everyone, to The Other Side of Midnight for this Saturday, February 15th. I hope you wished everyone on your list, everyone, you know, like moms and sisters and girlfriends and boyfriends and whatever. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy belated Valentine's Day to everyone. Our guest this morning is Chris Knowles, and we're talking about symbology. Chris, let me me pick up on this Biden thing uh, relating to the impeachment because – i'm I'm a numbers guy, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: follow the numbers. I know I can prove that the whole impeachment was a ritual because of the numbers. Give mm-hmm. an example. Uh, you just said that uh, Nancy you know, approved the resolution for Trump's impeachment on Halloween. okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: thirty three days later. She sent the articles of impeachment over to the Senate for the first time in history. We only have, what, two or three examples. You know, there was Nixon and then there was uh, uh, after that Clinton and way before that, back in 1868, you know, Johnson, who was the first president that they impeached. That never happened in those other impeachments. It was very pro forma. But with Nancy and Trump, it's all a ritual, which we can prove by the numbers so on the 33rd day of holding the articles she then has this ceremony in the capitol where she with all the pens remember she signs the articles for transmittal to the senate and a bunch of uh, house members the i guess it was what they called the uh, the managers trooped over with the articles in a you know, folder with, you know, covers and seals and all that on it to be formally delivered to the Senate. She signed, I mean, get this, you all know out there, and Chris, you certainly know, the importance of 19.5. Mm-hmm. She signed the articles exactly at 1928 Greenwich time. And then they took took them over. I mean, this was all a ritual. Now, what you're not aware of is out in deep, deep space, somewhere around the orbit of Mars, um, there was an interesting interstellar object that is the only interstellar object visitor to the solar system to enter the solar system for the second time in our – well, in the last year. The first one was back in uh, – a year ago uh, called the Muamua. The second one was discovered in August of last year. Uh, The first one was in 2018. And that one was given the name Borisov because it was discovered by an amateur astronomer in – wait for it – (laughs) Ukraine. Okay? So this all – All right, Borisov is entering the solar system. It's moving like a bat out of hell. Uh, It will never return because it's exceeding escape velocity by, you know, many, many miles per second. There are two ritual points that I was watching to see if there were any correlations with these weird events going on on Earth. And lo and behold, when Nancy signs this document transmitting... The articles of impeachment at 19.5, you know, military time, over to the Senate, Comet Borisov, this interstellar visitor, is precisely at 1.95 astronomical units from the Earth. You can't make this stuff up. So I think this is much, much bigger than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is just kind of like part of the ammunition to do something ritualistically so much bigger and this so much bigger thing is being paced by some kind of interstellar observer and i could go through the listing of what trump did at 19.5 on the plane flight back from mar-a-lago so they're all in on it whatever it is and it's so much bigger than the election or this president or that speaker it's gotta be of some cosmic import. And so the question then is before the house, pun intended, what the hell do they think they're up to? This is ritual magic on a cosmic stage, but what's the end game? What is their objective? What do they think they're accomplishing?
1: I I don't know if they have to think they're accomplishing anything. I think most of the people who are involved in this aren't necessarily read into it um i would i would strongly argue with the 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 trump thing as far as the ritualism because i I think it was pretty weak tea compared to the clinton thing i mean i had you know how i really got first started on this whole thing was with the clinton impeachment and and that was uh just unbelievable i mean that was just a bonanza of 17 symbolism of 33 symbolism of uh you know, Hiram of Biff and the the three ruffians or the three unworthy craftsmen. I mean, it was just incredible. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky was first subpoenaed on December 17th, 1997. Clinton first gave his infamous, the meaning of is is, which is, of course is ISIS, mm. uh, during his uh, January 17th, 1998 deposition. Um uh, on August 17th of 2000, uh, Robert Ray, who took over for Kenneth Starr, Kenneth Starr, by the way, right, um, impaneled a new grand jury. Uh, Clinton became the first uh, sitting president to testify before a grand jury on August 17th. Um, just trying to go through here. Uh um, december nineteenth was the day that uh, apollo seventeen splashed down uh december nineteenth uh the Senate trial opened on one seven nine nine so there's our uh one and seven seventeen nine nine thirty three um there were 13 House managers who spoke in the opening arguments. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was just, and this is also in the middle. You know, what happened in the middle of this was the 33rd Super Bowl, right? So mm-hmm. it, with the Broncos and the Falcons and the Falcons and and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, there were five 33rd degree Freemasons in the Senate at the time: uh, Trent Lott, Jesse Helms, Island Specter, and uh, Strom Thurmond and Robert Byrd. Uh, Clinton, of course, was, uh, order of Dimo uh, you had the three unworthy craftsmen who were sort of, uh, exposed as being hypocrites, uh, quite, <laughs> I would say quite premeditatively, uh, Henry Hyde, uh, Helen Chenoweth and Dan Burton. And then of course you had a, a, a mirror of that when, uh, uh you had, uh, Gingrich and Livingston and, uh, who else who else is it there oh and david bitter um you know sort of exposed, so you had three and three um you know i mean the whole thing just up and down the line i, I think the the haste and and the lack of detail that we see in the uh the impeachment of of trump you know even though i you know I will absolutely uh you know allow you these these uh synchronicities or these ritual alignments with these objects uh, coming in from deep space. Um, you know, just this sheer haste of this was uh, was, was kind of remarkable to me. I, it just seemed like they um, – it almost reminded me of like a church service where, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> when they're having communion and they just sort of rush through. You know, well, maybe the you-
0: difference is that you're dealing with two different sets of people and a, and a loss of what we used to call institutional memory. In other words, well,
1: I think it's also the loss of expertise that I've kind of been tracking. That you know we're, we're losing. Yeah, but isn't that uh, the same thing? Well, it, it's it. I think it's concurrent and it's related. I'm not exactly sure it's the same thing, but it is definitely uh, part of the same phenomenon, for sure. See, this is my model. There's
0: something so unbelievable coming that they have no clue how to let the rest of us in on it. All right. And it's really surprised them, whoever the them are. So what we're seeing is improvised rituals, improvised magical technology, because that's what it is. In the HD field, this stuff is supposed to actually torque the field, change the future, change the trend curves. It's actually supposed to do something in consciousness, if not in the physics. But the practitioners are so out of practice or have relegated this to the dustbin of history until someone said, hell, this is our only, you know, our, our kind of last ammunition. And so they scrounged together this stuff sketchily, quickly, put it in place, but they're not the smooth practitioners of times before.
1: Well, I think, you know, it's a, it's a loss of um, the high church training, um, you used to have the, the Latin Mass in Catholicism and uh, the High Church in, in Angli- Anglican, mm-hmm. <laughs> Episcopal Church, uh, Methodist Church. You know, you used to have uh, a much more highly developed sense of ritualism in people's everyday lives. I mean, you know, had a lot of people who were involved in Freemasonry and other uh, fraternities and societies. And I think, you know, Yeah, but wait, wait, lot- wait, wait. We're, we're, we're talking an in crowd here.
0: You know, for whom this
1: has been? No, 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 I think this is. I think this. I'm saying this is society wide. You know, it's 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 a it's a question of like when the rituals fall out of practice. You have a a lot of people coming into the Congress and the Senate and the House of Representatives who who have no real background in in ritualism. Uh, they they weren't raised, you know. Pre-Vatican II Catholic Church, they you know they didn't have familiarity with uh, Orthodox Freemasonry if that's an actual thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's you know television and shopping malls and the internet. Uh, you know, have have all these things have really destroyed in a lot of ways. I, I don't think that's too strong a term.
0: Yeah, but wait, wait, Nancy Pelosi is a rigid practicing Catholic. She keeps talking about her Catholicism, her belief in God, her belief in, you know, bigger things. She's the one that led the ritual. She appointed not 13, but seven tetrahedrally spun house managers for this one. And she signed these documents right on time, 19.5. She waited the 33 days. So she's fully up on this stuff. What I was intrigued with, because I've been looking to see how deep the Trump White House is in terms of its knowledge of what's going on, and I haven't done an exhaustive study on Trump because it's exhausting to study Trump, I must admit, but from what I've seen, there's enough of a response there that the White House, he maybe himself is playing, reflecting back these, these rituals in a way that keeps the game going. My
1: question is, oh, what's the end game of the game? Well, see, this is a mistake in thinking you You're assuming that there is an end game when it could just be ritual as its own end game, you know ritual as its own no wait regard. wait 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 wait
0: wait see everybody everybody, everybody ignores this i don't I don't get it i've I've been talking about this on this show for months now, twice in two years. We've had interstellar visitors for the first time ever from interstellar space. We've been looking at the skies with telescopes and spectroscopes and even radar for decades and decades and decades. Suddenly, twice within a year, we've got something that never happens before. And both of these objects have 19.5, which is emblematic of the physics, attached to them redundantly over and over and over again, and everybody just blows past this like it's not the biggest event in the world marking something important which the in crowd knows and which we're not supposed to know. This is not just people doing it because they have nothing better to do. They're doing it for an end game, which is having something to do with cosmic events that have never happened before.
1: That may be true. No, but... it's not, maybe. It is true. No well here's the thing I mean I, the problem is with that kind of prediction or that kind of thinking is that you know I've just seen this so many times and it just it never bears fruit I, and and I think that No wait wait, is, wait, wait wait hang on no hang no let no, me let me it let me never it never, me it never it never
0: hang on hang on It has never borne fruit up till now I used to be part of serious professional futurists And they laid out three graphs that people, when they're trying to predict the future, kind of project. One is the steady state. This keeps going on. This will always go on. The second is a kind of a trend curve that's up at about a 45 degree, meaning there will be change. But the change can be predicted, you know, based on past ideas. And the third, which turns out to be reality, is the asymptotic curve where the future – is not predictable because it bears no relationship to the past. And that's the future we're living in now looked at from the perspective of just three years ago. Go ahead.
1: Rituals have been practiced for thousands of years. Um, They, you know, there are, I think ritualism has for its practitioners has a very strong motivation and, and it's, achieving personal goals, it's achieving, uh, you know, maintaining your power, maintaining your prestige. Um, You know, as far as these objects, I mean, what we're really looking at are just basically pixels on a screen. Um, You know, we have no real sense of this. And certainly, you know, astrophysics, physicists certainly do. But I'm telling you, these people in Congress just have no sense of this. I, I, I just don't believe that they do or they don't behave like they do. I, I think that um, well, wait. Um, they, don't it, it, in, they don't behave. They don't behave in public like they do.
0: But we don't know what they believe behind the scenes.
1: Do we? Um, I, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um,
0: you no, said they don't believe
1: in pixels. That they don't no, understand what I'm saying. Well, they don't. They don't have any context for it. They don't have any sense of it. I think that ritualism itself has a much more immediate gratification, Uh, you know, particularly when you start getting, you get past this sort of civic ritualism, you know, the civic ritualism that has existed in every society for time immemorial. Uh, You know, we just haven't always uh, acknowledged it as such but then you have like the deeper ritualism when you start getting into drugs and sex and ritual murder and just all these other kinds of practices that have you know a very strong and powerful effect on the practitioner but in this case i mean i'm not i'm not seeing the end game as yet and i'm not i'm not necessarily they're trying to disprove you or disagree with you. I'm just saying that in cases like this, I think the rituals themselves are their own reason. You know, they, they justify themselves. Mm. With the, you know, the practice of ritual has always existed to change consciousness, to change the way you experience the world, to change the way you perceive the world. And I, I don't necessarily think that it always has to be reaching towards this this grand conclusion, this grand end game, because these rituals have been practiced, like I said, for a very, very long time. And there are other cultures that don't necessarily have this sort of vestige of Christian apocalypticism and don't necessarily see the practice of ritual in the same way. I mean, they might have some sort of far off uh, sense of, of an end time or, of paradise or, you know, however you choose to frame it. But I think the actual practice of the rituals themselves, you know, provides justification for it. Okay. Let me try this.
0: Um, you know, the old cliche, you know, a stop clock is right twice a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's presume that ritual magic ritualism itself, symbolism, has a very, very deep time legacy. It goes back thousands, if not tens, or hundreds of thousands of years from high-tech civilization to high-tech civilization on this planet that's risen and fallen, risen and fallen innumerable times. And we're, the 21st century, kind of like picking up the pieces of these ancient echoes from ancient ancestors who left to this in-crowd sacred documents, sacred texts, sacred books, sacred rituals, basically saying, you know, uh, when a fire breaks out, break glass. So their response is when they get a hint of something coming, which is fulfillment of what's written in these ancient, sacred, very secret texts passed along from the elite of civilization to civilization, their response is, break out the rituals it's time to do the rituals now if they're reading their tea leaves correctly it will have an effect at least that's what they're they're, they're told my thesis is this time of all times in the last 25,000 years is unique because of the precession the alignment with the center of the galaxy the physics you know the 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 crest of the physics that we can measure that i've been measuring ...all over the world for the last 20 years, this is a unique time where something, if it's going to happen, now is the window when it's going to happen. And in this window, we've got two interstellar objects that appear, both of which have critical intelligent design numbers attached to them. Not just any number, but numbers recursively saying, pay attention, the physics is in operation... This is somehow marking the physics, and the first one called a muamua in Hawaiian means uh, scout of a war party. That's literally the translation of a muamua in Hawaiian first scout of a war party. And it well, was... it's
1: actually advanced scout in, in advance of a, um, an invasion. Yes. Okay. Well, we're
0: saying <laughs> the same thing. Okay. So, and who named it that? NASA named it that. Which means the belief system inside NASA, which is part of the executive, which is under the Trump administration, it's all one thing, the executive branch, that's what they believe. And then for the second time in a year, another of these weird objects shows up, masquerading as, quote, a comet, but coming with the same celestial mechanics numbers, and the numbers correspond to key events happening on Earth, like it's marking a timeline. Like someone is observing, or someone has sent a reminder that this game is being played out against a cosmic background, a cosmic stage, and even if not everybody's in on it, you know the the, the private doesn't ask when he's told to jump how high the guys and gals behind the scenes that are in on it, they know something's going to happen, and they're getting ready in their ritualistic fashion. That's what I'm saying
1: well. Getting back to the impeachment situation, I, I again, I you're, you're familiar with the concept of like ritual murder, right? You're, of course. The killing of the king. I mean, all these kind of rituals that yeah, in the Egyptian,
0: it's called the Heb Sed ritual. And I said from day one, the whole Clinton thing was a Heb Sed Egyptian Pharaonic ritual.
1: Well, what I, what I, what I mean in this sense is that. When you go against the king, when you're doing these big things, when you're making these big moves, and again, I, I think that the the Trump target was a misdirect. I, I think I, I I really do think that Joe Biden was the um the the target here, and and I'm sure if I go back and, and, and analyze the exact symbolism at some point, it's, you know, it's you, a lot of times you can't really parse this stuff until all the data is in and you can look at it in retrospect. But, you know, when you're doing these big things, when you're making these big moves, I mean, you want, you know, someone on your side, you know, you want the higher powers, you want the stars on your side. I mean, I think that this is not novel. And in this sense, you know, with Clinton, when you and say this, not novel, you mean new, me you mean me new right? I just want a
0: definition. When you say novel, you mean new. Right. Okay.
1: So what I'm saying is that I don't think that the use of ritualism in basically what's, you know, it's not a physical assassination, but it's a political assassination. It's, it's, a, it's an assassination of a career. It's a killing of the king ritual in a more purely ritualized form. You know, they wanted to get rid of Biden. They had to get rid of Biden because Biden is not healthy, and he's been revealed – to the public is not only being unhealthy, but also being extremely corrupt.
0: So, wait, wait, wait. so, I, so
1: why don't you just did, tell Biden, don't run? It's not your turn. Don't run, period. Because Joe Biden is powerful enough to say, screw off. There's nobody in Washington that can tell Joe Biden what to do. Nancy Pelosi is I mean, I think she's ridiculous. I I don't think she knows anything about ritualism. I think everything she does is being directed by someone else. I don't think she knows anything about this stuff. I've never seen any indication of that. I think that she is just a bureaucrat. I just gave you two with the impeachment. Why do you you assume that that she came up with these? I'm not saying
0: that. These people all have powers behind them there's no single individual that we see on television making these decisions
1: yeah i I don't think i don't think that pelosi any any if there was any high ritualism in her actions i think that it was being either directed or suggested to her by other parties i just don't believe that she has that kind of does that
0: make any difference
1: well it makes a difference in this sense because who who is directing this who is the power
0: behind the throne
1: yeah, well, what well, I think what it is is that I think it's the the big donors. I think it's the big Democratic donors who don't want Joe Biden to run for president because I I, there's a, I get the sense that there's a uh, well, wait, wait, on. wait. wait then
0: let me go let back you know, to the other thing. You know what they've done? They've cut off his money. He can't run and win because he has no money. They just didn't give him any money.
1: Well, he's he's gone, right, he's huh? gone through his money. He's gone through his money. He's he's blown through it. So. But again, I think the, the, the target of this action was Biden. And I think I think one of the reasons why the ritualism was so weak and was so almost perfunctory was because maybe they just didn't feel that anything else was necessary. Hmm. You know, with with the Clinton situation. I'll
0: tell you, hold it there. Hold it there production. at the top of the hour. We'll pick this up on the other side. You're on the other side of midnight. My guest this morning is Chris Knowles. Over and out.